Welcome to Trainers Talking Truths. This is an ISSA podcast dedicated to exploring the fitness industry and uncovering the whys and hows of personal training. To do that, we'll talk directly to the industry experts and certified trainers. We'll dig into fitness programming, business tactics, nutrition, and more. You'll even hear from current training clients who offer insight from the other side. We've got the fitness industry covered, so turn up the volume and enjoy the drive. Hello, world. Welcome back for another ISSA podcast, Trainers Talking Truths. I am here with two of my favorite co-hosts. We'll start with with my first one. Thank you. My favorite taco-loving co-host, Dan the Man Duran. How's it going, Taco Dan? Well, it's going well, but now I know the secret's out. She always tells me I'm her favorite, John. You're my favorite taco-loving co-host. Dirty bird. It's going (laughs) well. Uh, I mean, Jenny, you know we record these things, right? I know. (laughs) It's all all, in the archives now. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know what? It's going great. This is going to be a lot of fun. Uh, We have the opportunity to speak with not only a coworker, but a a great friend and a a great um, representative of what the fitness industry is and can be. So this is going to be a lot of fun. Absolutely. Yeah, we have with us back by popular demand, Mr. John Bauer. Welcome, John. Thank you. Thank you. You know, I'm still always surprised that anyone wants to hear anything I have to say. So uh, to, to hear that I, I was requested to be back on the show is, is a great feeling. Um, you know, as you, as you guys know, I've, I've been doing this uh, for over 20 years now. I was originally certified with ISSA, uh, and I think it's so cool to be able to um, not just share information and try to help other people be successful in the field, but in particular, our, our ISSA family, um, because again, I, I, have this, uh, I have this part of me that got started as an ISSA CBT myself, and it's what kind of kicked off what's turned into you know, the, most of my adult life as a, as a fitness professional. Um, so, so again, it's, it's really cool to, to be on here. Yes. Well, you, you warranted. Did you notice uh, Jenny gave the power? Like the old UFC fights, you know, <laughs> intro. I I like that. She does. Just so you know, she's never done that for anybody. Oh, not even Dan. So I'm you, I think you just might be number one. But oh. John, John tell, can you back up a little bit uh, in time and, and give our listeners a little bit of a roadmap of, you know, your journey in fitness? Because you've, you've had the opportunity to do a lot of really cool things. And so you've had the opportunity to, to try a lot of different things. Um, and I think that's, that's really, really relevant and something the listeners would love to hear about. Yeah, well, thank you for that. And, um, and yeah, I got, I got started, um, you know, like I said on the last time and when I say on boot camp, I got started back in the 1900s and it was at a time where I was young. I, I, you know, I was just, just kind of out of college. I just got done being a, a track athlete in college and just trying to figure things out. And I was trying some different things. I was actually kind of PE teacher for a kind of a daycare and, and summer school program. And I kind of thought maybe I was gonna go that way. And, and funny enough, I did that for a couple of years and that's how I found out I didn't really wanna be a teacher. It was, it was great while I was doing it, but uh, I knew it wasn't really totally for me. And I just had the bright idea one day, maybe I can work at the gym. I was one of those guys that was going to the gym all the time anyway. So I thought, you know, maybe I can get paid to be here. So that's really how it started. Uh, I searched for different certifications. I landed on ISSA. Uh, I did my ISSA certification, and uh, I don't know which version of it. It was one of the early ones. I had to do kind of a two or three day uh, workshop in San Francisco, 
uh, Tom Platts taught it. Tom Platts is a famous bodybuilder from back in the uh, well, I mean, you're gold. so old now. It's probably like version two, and we're on version ten. Oh, <laughs> yeah. And Tom, <laughs> and Tom Platts, you know, he's back from the Gold Gym Dennis days. You know, there's pictures of him with Arnold working out back then. So, you know, since um, you know, as a lot of us do, I, I kind of was fascinated with bodybuilding, so I knew who he was. And this was a guy. He was like caffeine in human form, uh, teaching this <laughs> workshop to us. Yeah, just just incredible energy. Um, and I, I really learned a lot and that's what kind of really got me excited to, to get started and, and get out there and start training. And over the years, I started training quite a, quite a bit. I jumped right into it. I landed in a great place where I started training like 30 to 35 sessions right away. Um, and, and some of it was, uh, some of it was luck. Some of it was, uh, timing. Um, but I, I went right to work. I had some good success stories with some clients. I had one that was a national success story. I had another set of clients that were an older couple uh, and this has stuck with me for years, where they were an older couple that did what they were supposed to do. They saved their money, got to retirement. Now they wanted to travel, and but they were so deconditioned and out of shape that traveling was just not really a great idea for them, and not not comfortable. It wasn't it wasn't uh, uh, it wasn't easy for them to do. So their whole goal in life was to be able to get back in shape so that they can enjoy their retirement years. And that was a big success story. I didn't make the, the headlines of my, my other weight loss client, but that's one that really stuck with me uh, because it was a quality of life issue that they were, that they were dealing with. And, and again, they thought they did all the right things in order to prepare themselves for retirement, which they did financially. But health-wise, um, they didn't pay as much attention to that as they, as they probably should have. And luckily, we were able to kind of get that back for them so that they can walk through those airports and, and uh, do some of the walking around and, other countries that they wanted to do uh so that that's one that's really really stuck with me and it's things like that that you know as a personal trainer keep you keep you in it right um i mean sure it was my first adult job and it was the first time i felt like i was making adult money but i was able to also have this impact on other people uh soon after that i started managing clubs so i've managed clubs big and small so we're talking about big resort style clubs a little bit boutique style clubs I spent five years as a, as a university instructor. I got to be the, um, the department head at the end of my stay there. Uh, I've served as a director of education for a major health club chain. I've worked with several companies to do uh, education for trainers and career development for trainers. Um, and now that brings us all the way to here where uh, you know, over 20 years ago, I, I started all this as a ISSA CPT. Now here I am having been a, a participant putting together the latest version of the ISSA. CPT. So, uh, so a really fun ride for me so far. That's so cool. Yeah. So I love the fact that you've come up, you came up a different way than most people think, or maybe it's a more common way. You never know. Um, but I really wanted to have you back on, John, because we get so many comments on Facebook or people tell us in boot camp when we're hosting um, that there's no money in personal training or it's really hard to get started. Or more importantly, people are nervous, like, oh my gosh, I passed my certification and I have an interview, right? I'm so nervous. What do I wear? What do I say? What's it going to be like? How do I grow my business? when I'm in a gym setting, I also started in the clubs. Um, that was where I got my foot in the door and learned everything that I needed to know. And then I made a decision to branch out from there um, and move on to some other things. But we've kind of talked about it off air. It's scary, right, out there to do things on your own. So there might be a little bit of a benefit to starting in a club, even if you know it's not something you're gonna do for more than a year or two, or maybe even a couple months, right? Just to get started and just to get yourself going. So of course, a lot of people have their opinions about the big box gyms and the health clubs and not all of it's positive, but what are some of the benefits of a personal training 
uh, career starting in a health club setting? I, I happen to believe there are a lot. And, and my story is not the same as everyone else's. So uh, at some point, I might throw it back at you guys. But for me, like I said earlier, it was my first really adult job. Um, I, I'd never really had a job where there was things like benefits or 401k or any of those things. And I didn't know really what any of that meant. You know, you, when you sit through those meetings, learning about benefits or your distribution of your, of your 401k, I didn't know what any of that meant. And at that point, I, I wasn't even, I didn't even really care that much, but, um, well, you know, over the years I, I learned to care, but it just, it was my first experience in an adult job being a part of a, a business. And, um, because of that, I was able to learn a lot about what it takes to act as a professional, act as a, as a business person, um, work with managers that have to kind of manage the bigger picture of taking care of a facility, uh, taking care of multiple employees um, and, and managing um, revenue and managing the, the money that's, that's outgoing. Um, all of these things were, were lessons to me because like I said, the jobs before I had that were, were nothing like this. So, so for me, that was one of the big benefits. Number two, because I didn't have any of that prior experience, building a business would have been really tough for me if I didn't have this consistent stream of brand new members coming in. And I worked in clubs where we had thousands of members and we're signing up hundreds of new people on a monthly basis. Yeah. Uh, and I learned, you know, really pretty quickly that a lot of this can be a numbers game. Like there's some people who are fantastic salespeople and they have high closing percentages, meaning most of the people they meet with and, and pitch their, their services to sign up with them. Um, for me at the time, I don't know if that was the case for me, but I was certainly doing a pretty good job of meeting a lot of people on a month to month basis, meeting brand new members, meeting people on the floor. Um, I was one of those people that, you know, I guess I didn't have anything better to do. So I was just hanging out at the gym all day anyway, even when I wasn't working. <laughs> uh, so I was, I was just kind of a constant uh, person there. And that was a big part of how I, I learned to uh, build my business was not just my presence, but also understanding that it is a bit of a numbers game. You know, if you only meet two or three new people on a monthly basis, then the most new clients you could get is two or three. And that's if all of them sign up. Whereas to me, I thought to myself, if I could meet like 50 to hundred people on a monthly basis, my chances of getting two, three, four new clients on a monthly basis were, were really pretty good. Um, so that's, that's how I learned to, to start to look at it. On top of that, the, the company I worked for gave me some, some tools to work with, some systems to work with, because um, I didn't know any better. So I just, I just used them. Uh, and um, for, for me, that was, that was really the way to, um, to organize myself and organize my business as, as a person who'd never really done a, a professional job before. Yeah. And that's important. You learned a lot of things about running your business and being a personal trainer. For me, I learned mostly, I focused more on less on the business side. Yes, you had to learn the systems. You had to learn how to schedule people and all the things that you had to do for whatever club or place that you were working at. But I used it as a place to hone my program design skills. Like, how am I going to get this person from A to B? How am I going to get them to see the, as I like to say, painting a picture, the picture that they want? right? Figuring out what it is that they want and then helping them go from a child's three-year-old painting to a Bob Ross, help them see their own Bob Ross. Um, but how do I explain to them that this is the plan and this is what it's going to take and get them to buy in, um, which if you're going to have clients on your own or work for yourself or open your own club or something, at some point, you're going to have to be able to do that and master that to get clients and then to keep them. Um, so that's what I really gained out of it. Um, but it was a more controlled environment to your point, John. It's definitely... Um, somewhere where you have a little bit of help, you have mentors, you have systems that you operate in, and you don't have to kind of make it up yourself. 
So it's a nice place to start for some, not all, right? Yeah, and I think Dan probably had a different experience. He's someone that I know came into it after having had a full professional career already. Um, so I kind of wonder what was it like for you getting into the business? Yeah, you know, and I started at a gym. Thank you, John. And then, and it, I, it's not what I would call a big box. It was more of a, you know, tennis and swimming pool type gym, one location. But uh, I'm really going to echo a lot of what I'm hearing here. And, and, and first key on the interaction with members, John, that you mentioned, and I would call it like your social skills, communication skills for folks that are doing this as a first career. Uh, it's really important to, to learn how to communicate and connect with people that you don't know in a, 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 you know, in, a, in, a, in a setting where there's a lot of them so that you aren't afraid to approach people. You aren't afraid to go up and say, hey, my, hi, my name's Dan. You know, if there's anything I can do for you, I'm, I'm generally here every day. I'd be happy to help shake their hand, look them in the eye. I think for first job folks, um, that can be new. You know, uh, you're right. It was my second career. I got my people skills from working at a full serve gas station when I was, you know, 16 to 19. So you're interacting with people all day long, but those are really, really important in building a business and then interacting with your clients. And then, like you said, uh, both of you, you get to work with a lot of different folks. Um, what it did for me is it told me who I preferred not to work with. Sure. I trained athletes, I trained weight loss, I trained wellness, older adults, youth, which is amazing experience that you're really not going to get unless you're at a, at a, you know, at a, a big box gym. And it, and I learned, I don't want to train youth. I don't want to train athletes and I don't want to train older adults that, that it wasn't, it didn't, it didn't feel my passion. So it really helped me know where I wanted to go. And I know you're going to talk more about that, John, because uh, you had that experience as well. So yeah. Very similar, but um, I definitely want to call out the social interaction benefits that you get at working where there are a lot of people. For sure. Um, yeah, so much can be gained from starting in a situation like that. Now, as far as like if somebody was going to go work for a, a club, um, John, if they get nervous about interviewing or they're, they're like, what do I, what should I expect, right? It's going to be different based on the location, right? Sometimes you might have to put somebody through a workout. Sometimes it's just a communication interview where they're just talking, but what are some tips for someone who's preparing for an interview and what should they be ready to discuss or do during that process? Sure. So uh, first of all, it's okay to feel nervous about interviewing for a job, especially if it's something that you really want. It's, it's something that I could absolutely still experience right now. So feeling nervous, there's nothing wrong with you if you're, if you're nervous. Um, but then you gotta ask yourself, what are the things I'm nervous about? Do I, do I not know what's gonna happen? In some cases, the easiest thing you can do is ask the person that's interviewing you, what should I be prepared for uh, during this interview process? Because sometimes in the, in the fitness world, there might be um, different styles of interview, meaning there may be some that are more practical, meaning there's going to be a, a workout portion uh, where maybe you're leading someone through a, a workout. And in that case, the style of dress may be a little bit different than how you might dress if uh, it was going to be more of a just professional sit-down interview. So in, in that case, I think it's absolutely important to just, just ask. Um, in terms of um, you know, what, what you want to bring to the table, this is, there's a couple of things that, um, that I would look for. Um, one, certainly some subject matter expertise, you know, so your certifications, your education, et cetera. Um, I usually ask questions about some sort of business savvy 
you know, how they, how they might approach building their business to see what their answer is there. Um, but also, I, I kind of want to know what kind of employee that I'm getting. I've, I've had the opportunity to interview tons of trainers and, and prospective trainers. And uh, th those oftentimes are the three things that I'm kind of looking for. So that's the three things that I would hope that you bring to the table, the, the, uh, some level of subject matter expertise, obviously, uh, some sort of business savvy. And then, um, you know, what kind of employee are you going to be? Because that part matters quite a bit uh, as well. You can have someone who's a great subject matter expert and maybe someone who um, has some business savvy, but they're a terrible employee. And that's a, that's a, that's a magic nightmare. Um, because on one hand, you like some of their traits, but on the other hand, you know, it's a, it's a nightmare to, to manage that. Um, so yeah, so those would be the three big things that uh, I would want to bring to the table. And then again, as far as, as, far as feeling nervous, again, nothing, nothing to be uh, nervous about. Uh, everyone feels that way. Um, and again, if you could just kind of bring those three big things to the table, I think those are, those are gonna cover all the bases that most any manager would be looking for. Yeah. Well, would you agree that it's all an interview of the place or the manager or the facility as well, like for that person interviewing? Yeah. And, and Jenny, we talk about this in boot camp often. So they're interviewing you to see if you could work well for them. But in my opinion, you should be also kind of looking at it like you're interviewing them uh, to see if they're the right fit for you. Is it the right gym for you? There's, there's different types of uh, facilities out there. There's some that are um, more medically based facilities. There are uh, some gyms that feel like it's all loud music and shirts optional. There's other gyms that have a kinder, softer, gentler feel to them. Which one do you want to work in? Because whichever one you want to work in probably determines the type of clientele that you would want to be looking for and that you're most comfortable with. Uh, also, what sort of manager and what sort of company are you going to be working for? What sort of benefits do they have for you? Uh, I always think it's great when uh, a company not only has benefits and potential for paid time off and, and that sort of thing, but do they have continuing education? That's a, that's a big deal for trainers. And when a company offers in-house continuing education, uh, it's, it's a big point of separation from working from some clubs versus, versus others. Um, you know, the, there's also uh, the, the benefit of working with the, with the team. And in some cases, some people prefer working with the team. Some people do like to kind of do their own thing, and I, and I get that. But some people do prefer to work with the team and potentially work with other people that can mention that. Fair, yeah. There's a lot that goes into it, but it's it's not it's not the end of the process, right? It's just the beginning of a relationship potentially. And 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 being uh, at least here at ISSA, one of the folks that interacts with health clubs a lot right now. For the listeners out there, I've never seen a time uh, in in my career in fitness where there there's so much opportunity. For trainers to build careers in health clubs. I mean, it is, you know, like, you know, now's a good time to buy a house. Now's a bad time to buy a house. By the way, it's a really bad time to buy a house. It's a really good time <laughs> to sell a house. Uh, but, but now is a really good time to start a career in fitness. So like John said, be prepared because uh, there are a lot of opportunities out there. Absolutely. So going into a setting like this, if somebody decides that this is where they want to start, is there anything, um, any advice that you'd give them as far as like, where to go look or does it really depend on your area because um, some people would say oh I want to do quote quote big box gyms so think of the gyms that are all over the country right or all over Canada or all over certain areas or if they're looking at a smaller or boutique type place or a 
um, a hit training studio or something that may still be a franchise? Like what, what differentiates these places for people and what they can actually learn from them? Yeah, so like Dan said, there's a lot of opportunities out there now for people who are wanting to get into the health and fitness and wellness field. When we all started, it was pretty much you're, you're a personal trainer at a gym. Now, I mean, there's personal trainers that are working at places like Stretch Lab, just people, just helping people to, um, to, to stretch and, and gain more mobility. Uh, there's, there's people who are adding a lot of manual therapy uh, to their, to their skill set, meaning uh, different types of massage um, as, uh, as something to add to what they offer. Um, there's been a lot of growth in just recovery in general and then recovery as a service. Uh, and then there's a big space for wellness and that covers a lot of different things, but there are people who are uh, making a living basically strictly helping people with their mindset. So this is more kind of on the life coaching side, um, but also helping them to um, kind of build resilience to stress. You know, everyday life has a lot of different types of stresses. And because of that, people are seeking ways to kind of overcome it. And as we know, seeking coaching for a lot of these things is where a lot of people's success. So this now has opened up the, uh, the world to us people in, in the health and fitness world to more than just helping people lift weights and do their cardio. There's a whole lot more to it. And one of the benefits of, of today is, you know, we got, we got computers, we got search engines. Um, there was times when I was coming up that I would realize there was places where trainers can work that I'd never heard of. And it was right around the corner from me, but I couldn't, I couldn't Google search, you know? Uh, whereas now uh, you can search, you can find that there's, uh, park and rec and some park and rec are incredible to, to work for. There's some senior facilities that have amazing, um, uh, amazing health club uh, aspects to them with fantastic clientele. Uh, there, there's youth sports, uh, there's, there's traditional health clubs, there's boutique personal training studios. Uh, there's some of these franchises where uh, some trainers branch out and teach group classes, uh, whether they're teaching boxing classes whether they're teaching cycling or stretching, like I said, there's a lot of opportunities out there. And the great thing about now is you can, you can just do a simple search and find a lot of different ways in which you can um, expand your, your earning potential um, and also maybe find a niche that really, really works for you. That's awesome. Yeah, there's, there's a ton of ways to get started. I really like this. So once somebody gets hired though, um, say it's in a health club, Okay, um, or a, a bigger facility. There is literally you are swimming in a pool of clients. They are everywhere. They're all around you. Um, but I know some people get really intimidated, John, when there's um, already trainers established. Whether it's there's two or three trainers that are already there and everybody knows them, you know, and maybe they're not being very helpful or very nice. Maybe they are. Um, or there's places where there's 20, 30, 40 trainers already there. What would you say to the person that says, oh, there's no opportunity for me. There's too many people here. Or there's not enough clients. What do I need to do to build my client base in a club like this? That, that's a great question. It's a question that, that, that we'll get a lot because people will feel like there's not a lot of opportunity. But when, again, it's a numbers game. If there's literally thousands of members in that club, uh, then there's plenty of opportunity because uh, unless it's the, the greatest personal training club ever, there's none of these clubs that have signed up all of those people to personal training. Um, the, the thing, and, and luckily for me, I, I had some people take me under their wing and they just showed me a couple of things and I just, I just did it because they knew what they were doing in my mind and I did it. And one of them, he just had, this is back when all of our appointments were in a master appointment book, this big thing on, on paper. So big paper book, like they use at yep. nail salons. <laughs> yeah, and then, and, then, um, and then we had our own kind of client files and, and 
folders. In the back of one of the guy's folders, he just had this list of all the names and, and, uh, and contact info for everyone that he'd that come in contact with. So that when he wanted to dig up some, some clientele, he would reach out to them um, and, and not necessarily try to continue to meet new people. So he got to the point where his list was hundreds of names long. And I thought to myself, that seems like a good idea. So I'll do the same thing. And I did the same exact thing. In the back of my binder, I just had pages and pages of everyone that I ever come in contact with, with maybe phone number, uh, well, definitely phone number and maybe email. Because back then, it was a maybe whether or not people had an email address. In the 1900s. <laughs> yeah. And, and um, you know, at, at certain times of the year, if there were specials going on, I would, I would let them know. And this was, this was the, my first system I used uh, for, um, for building a business was, you know, we'd set up these uh, appointments and I'd get to know new people and I'd build some rapport in some cases by just simply saying hi and, and, and being around. Over time, I start to get some contact info, and then I've got this long list. It doesn't happen overnight, and I think that's what people are really looking for when they ask these questions, is how do I make it all happen this month? And the answer is it's probably not going to happen that way, right? Building a business uh, takes time. Fast forward to when I kind of systematized this a little bit more, I, I was taught to take a long list like this and take all these contacts and turn it into an A, B, and C list. And my A list were my people that I have great rapport that I should be in contact with all the time for whatever. And, and birthday cards and that sort of thing. My B list was kind of a step down when my contact with them was kind of less often. It might be through like a social media, but it was a little bit less often, but I stayed in contact. And then my C list were more kind of occasionally, every couple of months, maybe reach out, see how they're doing. And it's shocking to me how easy that is and how fruitful it is. Using that system, I've gotten job offers. I've gotten clients. I've gotten opportunities to go speak at events just by simply reaching out and saying, hey, we haven't talked in a while. Just want to see how everything's going. I'm not trying to sell them anything. Yeah. Just trying to check in and, and see how they're doing. Because I've met these people before. I have rapport. So it's a simple system of having this A, B, and C of all the people I've met. And over the course of, if you're working at a place for six months or a year, that, that list could potentially be hundreds of people long in a club that supposedly has trainers that are already monopolizing all the, all the clients. If, if, you do the work, if you do the work, um, you can find it. And this is not just a personal training, by the way. If, if people think there's lots of money in real estate or whatever the case may be, if you do the work, it can be. If you don't, it won't. Yeah. And I think people underestimate too, walking around a club, especially if you're new and meeting people, like you just said, get to know people, say like learn their names, right? But walking by and instead of like walking past everybody on a treadmill and like asking them, hey, do you want to go work out? Hey, do you want a training session? Hey, do you need something from me? Just saying hi just walking by and saying hi to everybody and being that person that has a great personality that everybody's like, you know what? I have a question. I'm going to go ask John because he always walks by and says hi to me when I'm on the elliptical or when I'm, you know, helps me re-rack my weights when I'm on the bench press or whatever. Um, you'd be surprised how many people will seek you out if they know you or they feel like, you know what? I think I want to get to know this person, right? And you can, you can, I'm not saying steal people's clients, but you never know, like stranger things have happened, right? Where clients are like, you know what? I think this isn't, I'm not getting what I need from this. Let me go over here and, and talk to John or talk to Dan and see if they can help me. Um, so, I mean, never underestimate the power of just saying hi and smiling and making eye contact when you walk past people. Don't be weird, um, right? So many people are afraid to do that anymore. They don't even want to look at people. It's a reflex for me now. I mean, we're <laughs> for so long, I can't help it. Hey guys, it's time for another rapid review. Joey had this to say about our certified personal training course. 
that he highly recommended this course to anyone looking into personal training. Well, we appreciate that, Joey. Thanks. I have a question, and I actually, I, this is kind of a, a something I just came up with. So, uh, because I'm I'm hearing all of his talk, and John, you've done so many different things uh, in fitness. I've done different things. Jenny's done different things. I have a very little overlap in in what we've actually done in our careers. And for our listeners out there, you know, maybe they're still on the fence about, you know, whether or not they want to go into this career or they haven't started yet, or maybe they just need to be in, uh, reinvigorated. So I'm going to do a round robin here. Why? Top three reasons why you're, because you're passionate, John. Why are you so passionate about being in this industry? Top three reasons. Uh, when I started, it was because it fascinated me. Yeah, so I just have a fascination with, um, you know, how the body works, how you make a change, how you, how you create results in it, et cetera. So I was just fascinated with the, the, the topic of health and fitness and, and muscles and speed and power and strength and gaining muscle and losing weight. All that was fascinating to me. What I didn't know was what I kind of alluded to earlier was the part where you get these human connections and you help people literally change their lives. It's one of those things we say all the time, but until you experience it as a trainer, I don't think you can really know what that, what that means. When you have someone hugging you in the middle of the club, and in some cases there's tears because you help them change their life, that's, that's something that it's really difficult to duplicate selling a car or whatever it yeah. may be, right? Like, um, so so that, that to me became, it became the passion. And then over time, I started to realize that what I really liked about it, and it took me years to really figure this out, I loved teaching people how to do this for themselves. Uh, and that's what brought me kind of to the teaching thing was I started teaching trainers how to do this because in my mind, I was helping them to potentially get into a career where they, where they get to do what I do. And, and I've gotten to do some pretty cool things. And then the, the, the result of that is they're going to be out there and they're going to have clients. And they're going to have clients changing their lives as well. And the great thing about social media is I follow a lot of my old students and a lot of my old staff. And some of them are doing incredible things. Some of them are doing things I've never done. Um, and it's really cool uh, to know that I've had some impact on them. It's great when I, when I get messages from some of them, uh, in some cases, uh, saying, saying thanks. And uh, the, the passion I have for it is, is very much the, the people part of it. I'm still very fascinated by, by health and fitness and, and all of that, but the people part of it is absolutely uh, number one. So the number, so the, the fascination part moved kind of to, uh, kind of to number two. Um, and then, you know, as a, uh, as a third, I love it that this industry can go so many different ways. And that's not something I knew in the beginning. I just knew I was going to become a trainer and just figure out my life after that. Uh, I didn't know that I was going to get into leadership and management or speaking at uh, events or, or any of that. And all of that uh, has happened as a result of this. I've learned how to be a leader and a manager um, of, of businesses. And, and again, that's not something that I, I realized. So how cool is it that you can take something that you're so fascinated in, something that has this connection to, to people and in some cases changing their lives, and you can do all kinds of, uh, all kinds of things with it. It doesn't really get much better than that. Love it. Love, by the way, I would hug you and cry if you gave me a car. <laughs> just, just saying, um, I, I would. It'd be a really big hug, and I'd probably cry. Uh, Jenny, top top three reasons. 
Oh gosh, um, I would definitely have to say uh, very much similar to what John is talking about. Um, number one for me is I'm so enthralled with what the human body can do when you feed it correctly, when you you know rest, when you recover, when you push it appropriately, our bodies can do so much and it's super cool to see. And that's one of the reasons why I do volleyball and why I do bodybuilding. Um, because with bodybuilding, it is a little bit extreme. And yes, I'm a natural bodybuilder because somebody out there is gonna ask. I get asked that almost every day. Um, yes, I'm a natural bodybuilder, but when you do things in the right way for your body, your body will respond in amazing ways. Um, so learning about the way the human body works, and obviously we're not done learning um, once you get a certification. I'm still learning about the things that our body does. Um, and then actually get to, getting to do it. And uh, one of my favorite things about bodybuilding, I tell everybody is uh, um, what I do as a bodybuilder, what you have to do to get the results that you're looking for, 99.9% .9 of people out there will never do. Um, so it kind of makes you like a special kind of breed of person. You have to be a little bit narcissistic, a little bit crazy, a little bit weird to do this because <laughs> it is so, it's so different. Um, number two for me would definitely be the people aspect, teaching people or watching people have that aha moment. Um, and that's one, my specialty outside of my general population clients, which I only have a couple is sports performance training uh, and strength and conditioning. That is my jam. And, and I do it at the college level, the youth level and with adults and, um, to see somebody move better, right? Or somebody go perform their sport. And after X amount of weeks of training with them and doing these things where they don't even know what they're doing. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna program this for them because it's gonna help them you know, react with the floor better. It's gonna help them move laterally better. And then they go out there and perform in their game or their sport. And they're like, holy crumb, did you just see what I did? Right? And they have that moment where they're like, oh, like, I love that. Um, and then I think number three is, fitness, like there's no secret. It's, it's like movement is medicine. And if we can live long lives and to John's point about his clients that came to him in their old age and wanted to move better so that they could travel and just do the things that we want to do. Um, cause it, life is not worth living. If you can't enjoy the days that you're working for, right. We all work for something and it's not just money. What does that money do for you? Right. Cause to have money doesn't mean anything. You can't build a house with literal money. You can buy a house with money, so that's different. Um, but if your goal, like mine is, I don't want to have kids. Like, God love all, everybody out there with them, but that's not my goal. My goal is to get married next year and travel and live with my dogs, but mostly travel <laughs> and do all these things. And I want to be able to do that until my last day. And I don't ever want to struggle for it. So knowing that fitness and taking care of myself um, and being active every day will continue to keep me active every day that makes me get up in the morning at 4 a.m. when I'm like, no, I want to snooze and be like, no, I got to do this. Oh, so that's it. it I love it. Again, I want to get people fired up and understand why this is such an amazing profession and career. Uh, a little overlap. Yeah, a little overlap with mine. I'll make it uh, short and sweet. Number one, it, it forces me to practice what I preach. I got in the, the best fitness or the best conditioning you know, wellness, whatever you want to call it, the best shape is the word we usually use of my, in my life when I entered this career as a second career because of what Jenny and John said is I learned about the human body. I learned about stress. I learned about nutrition and I began to apply it. So it makes me practice what I preach. I, I don't have any credibility if I'm not walking the talk. Mm -hmm. uh, the second is what uh, you heard both of uh, Jenny and John say is watching people change. Um, my passion was weight loss folks and just the way they walk, the way they will start making eye contact with people near them, watching their shoulders come back and their chest come up. 
uh, their confidence go up, the relationships improve is priceless to me. Yeah. Um, and the opportunities, like John said, there's just so many things you can do. There's so many things you can do. Uh, you don't like working in a gym? There's plenty of other options. You don't like working in a studio or doing your own gig? Plenty of other options. There's a lot of ways you can go with the education that you're going to get with us and any formal education you get in addition. So uh, hopefully that got some folks fired up. Now, last question. Maybe not last one because I have another one too. Okay. On the hiring piece, because John, you talked, you had some really good advice about interviews and uh, how to prepare and how to be successful in a gym setting, et cetera. You've managed trainers, you've hired trainers, you've trained trainers. What are the top three things that you've seen trainers do that makes them unsuccessful? That either they get booted or they quit because they can't make it work for them. What are the three things that you see and you're like, oh my gosh, here we go yeah. again. Yeah, and, and um, none, none of what I'm about to say is going to be surprising um, <laughs> at all. Um, uh, lack of professionalism. Uh, right at the top. And by professionalism, we're talking about the basics. Are you prepared? You, you, uh, are, 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 you, are you on time? Um, do you have a plan for your clientele? Um, do you have a plan B when things don't work out the way that they were supposed to? Because if your plan is for everything to go according to plan, you have a bad plan. Um, just, just all of these little things. If you're the person who's consistently, you forgot your uniform, uh, you're not prepared with the workout. You're showing up a little bit late. You seem flustered all the time. Why would someone pay you? Why would someone pay you yeah. if you don't seem like someone that I want to give money to? You know, I want I, if I'm paying someone some money, I want them to be on top of things. I want them to be prepared. And throughout the country, people might be paying 40, 50, 100 plus dollars an hour for a trainer. If I, me personally, if I'm paying that much for anything, I want you to be doing a great job and at the very least uh, be, be professional. So that, that's, that's number one. Uh, number two, um, people, a lot of trainers don't want to grab onto the business side of the business. They just don't want to. They're, not, they're fascinated with the, with the fitness side of things. These are, these are the types that I call fitness enthusiasts, and they're great to have around. But if they really want to have big success and make a career out of this, not just kind of a little side gig, but a career, they have to grab onto learning more about managing their business about sales, in some cases about marketing. If they're running their own business, they, these are all non-negotiable. You have to know about these things. You have to be able to, you have to know what a PNL is and you need to know how to manage it. If you, if you don't, then, then we live in the age of information. I need you to go figure it out um, or, or, or find someone that can teach you. Um, but if, you, if you're not grasping the business side of things, then, then it's, it's just absolutely uh, not going to work. And then uh, lastly, uh, and, and again, Please keep in mind, I'm not even talking about subject matter expertise because the last thing I'm, I'm going to uh, mention is if you're not going to do the people side of the job well, the communication side, the, um, uh, the, the relating to people's uh, goals and their needs and, and how to coach them, if you're not going to do that part and just expect them to do everything that you think is logical, it's also not going to work for you. Um, so, uh, so again, you have to grasp the business side. You have to grasp the people side. Absolutely, have to be a professional. If you want to be great at this job, if you want to be okay, then that's—I mean—that's a different story. But if you want to be great, then you have to do what the great ones do. Uh, and, and that's—you know—if I give myself credit for something, I would just follow. If, if I saw someone doing it right, I just kind of would emulate them until I figured it out for myself. Yeah, 
And the biggest thing my takeaway from everything you're saying though, is it's work. So many people think they're like you said before, they're just going to show up and it's all going to happen. Oh, I'm just going to have clients and they're going to love me and it's going to be great. And my programs are going to be awesome. You have to work at this just like any other career. You have to work at it. And it's a very physical job. Uh, we were talking about it earlier. <laughs> okay. This is probably too much information for you guys listening, but when I teach boot camps or do these types of podcasts and stuff, my nervous system gets revved up. When I used to coach at Orange Theory for five hours straight, I would leave there sweaty and exhausted. <clears throat> Excuse me. So like when you're working and putting an effort and energy into something, you should feel tired when you leave and walk away from it. Even if you have a desk job or you're working at McDonald's or you're working at the gas station, like if you put effort and energy into what you're doing, you should leave there like, Whew, let me kick off my shoes. I gotta go take a bath, I'm so tired, right? And if you don't leave feeling like that every day when you're training or doing what you love, you supposedly love, then you're not doing it right. Um, so it does take work, it takes effort and it takes, takes that um, intentional piece. You have to show up intentionally every day with a purpose, with a goal and work towards it. Wow, mic drop. I'm 100%, I'd have said the same three, John, if you'd asked me that question. Yeah. And Jenny, I'm, I'm with you, sister. Absolutely. What? My question was actually very, Dan, we must be on the same wavelength. I think I need to talk about <laughs> That's because I'm your favorite co-host. <laughs> I know, we're right there. Because I was going to ask the opposite. I was going to say, let's each give an example of one person in a club that you've worked with that was super successful. Say one or two things that they did really, really well that made them successful. John, do you want to start? Easy. I already know who I'm thinking about. Um, this guy, just, you would have thought he was the owner of the club and it was a big, big box gym, but you would have thought he was the owner because, or, or like the mayor. He was basically the mayor of the club because when he'd walk through, it'd take 20 minutes to walk from one side to the other because everyone had to stop and say hi to him or he had to stop and say hi to everyone. He was a fantastic trainer. Great, great subject matter expert, great trainer, uh, but man, he owned that place. He was the mayor of the club. He knew everyone. He knew their family. He was, he was that guy. He was the person who was very thoughtful. Uh, and that's the type of feedback I would get about him all the time is he's the best. He's so thoughtful, all this stuff. They weren't like, he's so smart. I mean, he was that too. But um, to me, I, I got, you know, that's how I kind of looked at him. He was kind of the mayor of the club. He owned it. And he was a guy that in the early 2000s was making six figures out of this little, it was a big box club, but it was not a big one. He was making six figures out of this club for years um, to the point where I, one day I, I kind of had to ask him, why are you still here? I feel like you could be doing this on your own. And then he ended up leaving. <laughs> so, uh, uh, so that might've been the inspiration, but, um, but yeah, he was, um, he, he was someone that, um, you know, took the people part of the job and ran with it, but he also happened to be a great trainer um, at the same time, got great results at yeah, absolutely. What about you, Dan? Same theme, same theme. So I would say it was when I was working at California Club, uh, there was a trainer that was uh, Beth. I don't, uh, she's retired now, so she's probably not going to hear us, but she was in her 50s at the time, early 50s, I think, somewhere in there. And she could sell training and did sell training in the locker room, in the cafeteria. She'd sell training all over the place. And I don't mean like sell, sell. So I mean like build relationships, build value and close a deal and have a new client anywhere, anytime. And it was her people skills. Same thing, like the mayor. She knew everybody. She smiled at everybody. She talked to everybody. She remembered names. She remembered family members' names. She remembered anniversaries. She just remembered people. She connected with them. And that's what made her so successful. She she had a waiting list for clients. She had clients she trained up, uh, no, no kidding, because it was an old club over 20 years. 
So that was the most successful trainer I've ever seen. Nice. Yeah. One of mine was my very first trainer that I actually hired who helped me lose 60 pounds 13 years ago, Nate Thompson. Um, so Nate, I hope you're listening. I'm gonna make sure you listen to this episode. Um, phenomenal guy. And we used to work at a club um, that actually has been bought out by LA fitness now, but back in the day, it was an independent uh, chain of clubs here in Arizona. And same thing. He knew everybody, everybody knew him. They knew that when you needed anything, you go to Nate and his at the time wife, um, and they will help you out. He was this big, burly, he's this big, burly guy. Amazing person though. Like when you got to know him, he had the best smile. He loves dogs. Like he'll talk, baby talk with you all day about your dogs. Like he could talk to anybody about anything, but he knew his stuff and he could tell you straight, this is what you need to do. This is where you're going to get. And he got people results, but everybody knew him. Everybody knew that if you needed anything, go to Nate and Svetlana. Um, so it was, yeah, it's, it's a lot of it. You guys, if, if you're catching a theme here, it's not about your personal training skills and like your programming skills, of course that matters, but it's more about how you connect with people your personality and the way you communicate with people, the way you make people feel when they're with you. That's far more important than anything else. Cause people say it online all the time. Oh, just having a piece of paper doesn't make you a trainer. You are 100% correct, sir. I don't like the way you're saying it but you are a hundred percent, you watch your tone when you're talking to me. Um, but you're right. Having a piece of paper, you guys, anybody can pass a test, right? Especially if you're really good at taking tests, it's what you do with that information and how you connect with people. That's what makes people successful. That's what makes people have longevity in this career, but that's also what helps people really take off and take off quickly. So, I mean, that's really what it boils down to. Boom. There's a good one. There's a good one. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully this gives somebody out there that little glimmer of hope that they needed. (laughs) Yeah. And the the, the theme there is personality. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm sure you've all heard it. We say it in the the gym world when we're hiring people, hire the personality. I can teach them how to train. It's it's all about the personality. My old career um, in law enforcement, that's what it was all about. When we brought people into a police academy, they didn't know a lick about being a cop. We had to have the right personality and the right person. We taught them the rest. So come into it with a big smile, make an eye contact and firm handshakes and you're beyond halfway there. Yeah, and I like what John said about finding somebody who's doing it right and kind of emulate them or take them on as a mentor, right? Ask them if they'll mentor you. But more importantly, it's really easy to emulate what somebody's doing uh, without, if you don't want to approach them, don't, but look at what they're doing. Observe, be observant. I love that. And, you know, what I they're love doing. That. and ask yeah. them questions. You know, you reminded me of something and we could probably boil it down to this, but we, we, can, we can end on this. Um, and this was this is actually a question I asked Rodney Korn, and this was probably like 2006, 2007, something like that, when he was such a rock star to me. I was like, whoa, that's the guy that writes the books. And I just kind of asked him a blanket question, um, like, how do you how do you become like you? You know, how do you how do you kind of progress in the field? And um, I, I bet you he doesn't even remember this, but he, he just basically said, you got to create separation. Like, if you're the same as everyone else, then why would you progress? You got to create separation. Um, so if you need teaching skills, technology skills, whatever the case may be, that creates separation. And then that's a reason why people can hire you or promote you. And the way you're going to do that, you're going to have to invest time, money, and energy. And if you're willing to do that, then it can happen. If you're not, then it won't. It was so straightforward. I bet you he doesn't even remember this. And I was like, wow. And Rodney was at the beginning of my fitness career. I was still contemplating it. I was going through my certification, deciding if I wanted to jumped the fence and I called him and he probably doesn't remember it. And, and, uh, I said, I, my question was, should I start my own business or work in a club, which is relevant to our talk today? 
And his advice was go to work in a club for go. all the reasons that we talked about today. See, and if anybody's listening and I was like, who's Rodney Korn, go back and listen to our podcast episode with Rodney Korn on it. Um, and you'll learn who Rodney Korn is real quick. Um, I just met him within the last year and he's phenomenal. He's yeah. phenomenal. He's, he's touched so many people in this industry. It's unbelievable. Unbelievable. So great episode, you guys. Good talk. Good talk. Love it. it I, don't even think we, I don't even think we need closing words because we just mic dropped like 10 times in the last five uh, years. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'm just saying. But John, thank you for coming back on our episode. We'll let you know if you're back by popular demand. I have a feeling you will be back. So be prepared. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, guys. Absolutely. And Dan, love you. Tacos. Uh, Tacos for Dan. It's, uh, it's Thursday today that we're recording this, but any day that ends with day, you can have tacos. So I hope That's you have tacos today. Right. Any day That's that ends with right. day. Any yeah. day that ends with day is taco yes. day. So I guess this applies to you when you're picking your taco uh, in your toppings and such for your tacos. We always leave you with the same advice, you guys. Go out into the world, be fruitful, do all those things, but make good choices. We'll be talking to you soon. Yeah.